Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about steroids, and I want to talk about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu team events. These are two topics I've been thinking a lot about over the past week. Steroids in particular is always a hot topic. People have so many questions about steroid use in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Let me start by saying, please, don't be one of these people. Do not be naive enough to ask the question, hey, do steroids really even help Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes? Does it give them an advantage? Of course it does. Yes, that answer is yes, a hundred times out of a hundred. Yes, it definitely, definitely impacts performance in a positive way. Now, there's so many more intriguing questions. I think the, the biggest ones are, how many of the athletes in the sport are using steroids, particularly at the top of the sport? Who is using steroids? Like which athletes are using steroids? And what type of steroids are these athletes using? What type of performance enhancing drugs are the top athletes choosing to use? Now, I've been thinking about this for one reason. Felipe Pena popped for steroids. He failed his IBJJF drug test. And that's a question people also have. Are steroids even illegal to use in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Do any tournaments outlaw them? Well, only one tournament truly tests for it, and it's only at IBJJF Worlds. You could do all the other IBJJF events and win. You will not get tested, but IBJJF Worlds, they do test the finalists. So you have to make it to the finals. So they're only testing... I mean, less than 1% of the athletes that are competing. So we really have no clue how many of these athletes are cheating. And since these athletes, like these aren't random drug tests, they know that if they make it to the finals and if they win, that they are going to get tested. There are ways around the test. There are precautions you can take. If you want to know more about that specifically, I would definitely check out on Netflix the documentary Icarus. It is fascinating. It is about a Russian doctor that helps the Olympic, uh, the Russian Olympic teams cheat. And um, it's just fascinating. So definitely check that out. But like I said, such a small sample size. And all we can do is make assumptions because athletes are not being tested unless they make it to the finals of the world's and still, they know these tests are coming. And we've still seen, though, some guys fail, like Felipe Pena. We've seen at least one of, I can't remember if both the Meows, but I definitely know one of the Meows failed a drug test. We saw uh, Kainan Duarte. He failed a drug test, and they all were suspended. And I'm not sure. I know other athletes have failed, but those are three that come to mind off the top of my head. And Felipe, though, the most recent. And Felipe came into this previous world championship. He came to win one thing, and that was the absolute title. And he won it in a way that I know he didn't want to win because, um, because Nicholas Marigali got, um, he had to forfeit due to you know the, that whole fiasco, and I've talked about that. But regardless, he walked away. He didn't have an opponent in the finals of the absolute, but he did his thing. He won. And he retired from IBJJF competition. So they suspend him for a year, but it doesn't matter. He wasn't going back to do that anyways. He's focused on ADCC. He's focused on beating Gordon Ryan. And I believe he is going to then turn his attention to MMA. But 
for the next six months, he's got one thing in mind, and that is Gordon Ryan beating Gordon Ryan. So failed drug test, who cares? But in his statement, he came out with a statement on his Instagram, and you guys can go and check that out. But it, to kind of sum it up, um, essentially he says that um, his doctor gave him something to take. He took it. He didn't realize what it was. He didn't think it was a performance-enhancing drug. It caused him to pop the test. He's sorry, but he, um, you know, that, that's the reason that his doctor gave him something to take, and he didn't really know what it was. caused him to pop. And look, this is one of the two explanations all athletes pretty much give. Anytime an athlete gets caught, they blame it on their doctor giving them something that they didn't know what it was or a tainted supplement. All athletes in all sports, when they fail the doping test or the steroid test, they use one of those two excuses. Very few actually come out and go, hey, guys, yeah, you caught me. My bad. Most of them come out and they come out with some presser or they make some statement like, look, guys, didn't know what I was taking. Sorry, my bad, but not my fault. And, uh, I mean, I think it's kind of a lame, lame excuse. I just wish people would be more open about it. I personally have zero issue with PEDs. Zero issue. One of the reasons I have zero issue with it is because I think they're a huge risk, particularly the way most athletes take them or most people take them, in that they are not supervised by doctors. They're not getting regular blood work done. They're not working with specialists. They're either just doing research on their own and then buying a substance from, honestly, a, you know, a party that they kind of shady. You know, when you're buying from some of these people, um, especially if you're buying like testosterone and steroids off the street, I mean, you're buying from drug dealers. And even if it's just the local guy at your gym that's super cool and that you've known for a few years because you guys work out at the same gym, like, well, he's still selling you any legal substance and it's not regulated. You don't know how much you should be taking. You don't know, like most people don't know what their testosterone levels actually are, or they don't know what they should be stacking together. Um, there's just so many things that go into it. And so I think if you're willing to take that risk, particularly if you're not working with specialists, like go for it. Um, it's something that I've never been willing to do. I'm very cautious about what I put in my body to me. Um, yeah, it's just not worth the risks. I've seen people, you know, even if it's just is testosterone, like some people are putting things into their body that their body doesn't create, but uh, which is a whole nother, whole nother topic. But even testosterone, which men and women both produce, um, people, you know, they'll take too much. I know so many people that take too much testosterone. They're taking, uh, you know, two, three, even four times the amount that they should be taking and it messes their hormone system up. And that's, that causes huge issues. I know people that cycle off wrong or just that don't even cycle off. We had a guy at 10th Planet of Decatur. This dude was absolutely jacked. I mean, he was 25 years old and he looked like he belonged in a Marvel superhero uh, film. And he was very open about his PED use and he stacked testosterone with different anabolic steroids and he also used HGH human growth hormone and he ended up developing a heart condition but this guy I mean he would constantly talk about how much he took I mean it was insane amounts 
I mean, it was way, he was taking way too much and he never cycled off. That was a big thing. He's like, no, nah, man, people talk about you need to cycle off. You don't need to cycle off. And he ended up, I mean, he had a heart attack at the age of 25. He's, he hasn't been able to train. He had to quit training due to his uh, heart condition that he developed from just steroid use. When PEDs are done properly, they are a humongous benefit to just people in general. I mean, they will help you perform at better levels, better levels than you could achieve if you were natural. But a lot of people do it improperly. Now, I've been very open with people, and I tell my guys all the time, like, there's going to be steroid years for myself. It hasn't started yet. But by the time I'm 35, 36, especially like 35-ish, I'm going to really start looking into it. You know, I'm constantly or I'm going to be consistently getting blood work done and testing my testosterone levels right now. Everything looks great. But, you know, as I start creeping up, when I start getting near the age of 40 and testosterone starts to dip a little bit, I'm for sure going to use testosterone uh, therapy replacement. 100%. I'm going to go see my doctor and I'm going to... Um, boost my test levels. I think everybody should. I think a lot of people, particularly men over the age of 40, are low in testosterone, and it's causing them a bunch of symptoms that, I mean, they could really fix. Now, there's a lot of natural ways to boost your testosterone, so I don't think the first thing you should be is going to a doctor to see if you can, you know, raise your testosterone by 500 points. But, you know, if you're doing, you know, getting regular exercise, you're getting 30 minutes plus in the sun every day, you eat a, you know, relatively healthy diet, you're getting, you know, good regular sleep, um, you know, you're taking your vitamin D and, um, yeah, then, then I think you can start looking at testosterone therapy replacement, but back to the athletes. Um, I, I think a lot of guys, you know, are using it improperly, but I think the biggest thing is that we're having to make assumptions, right? And I've been in this game a long time now. I've been training 11 years. I know so many people in this sport. I know people that have trained at a bunch of different camps, pretty much any camp you can think of. I know somebody that's trained there for a period of time. And I've heard from so many different people like, hey, I trained at Alliance and I know this guy took steroids. Or I know a guy that trained at Henzo Gracie's or I know a guy that trained at Atos and he said that these three guys are on steroids. And it's all just he said, she said. Like I said, there's very little testing. Less than 1% of the athletes are being tested in the sport. I mean, it's actually probably like 0.0001% of the athletes have been tested in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition. So we're just making, we're just making assumptions based on the, the eye test. If a guy looks super, super jacked, we just assume that he's taking something. If he looks unnatural, we assume he's taking something. Other than Felipe Pena, though, I've been thinking a lot about Liver King. I'm sure most of you know who Liver King is. If you haven't, you should check out his uh, Instagram. He, he can be uh, a little overbearing. He, can, he, he kind of annoys me a little bit sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I think sometimes his message is, uh, I don't know, just sometimes it's a little cringy, but I still like following him, and I, and I kind of like what he's doing in, in some aspects. But anyways, people ask him all the time, so, Liver King, 
are you natural? Do you use steroids? And he always comes back with, I mean, I've heard him say on multiple podcasts that yes, he is clean. He has never used PEDs. All he uses is liver. He uses the liver God created from animals and he you know does all these ancestral tenants and that's how he's that jack but if you look at this dude he looks like a science experiment i mean this guy looks like he's on all the hgh and testosterone in the world but he swears that he's natural and i know people right now would be like scaff you're an idiot if you're trying to tell me that you think there's a chance this guy's natural but i just don't know i don't know anymore i know genetics play a huge part into it and I think the biggest thing is that a lot of guys that use PEDs, they don't really think that they're using PEDs. They classify what they're doing in a different category than what others are doing. So for instance, there are, like I said, a ton of different PEDs out there. It's not just steroids, right? We've got tons of different anabolic steroids. We've got testosterone. We've got people that use anabolics with testosterone. We've got people that use SARMs. We've got people that use EPO. We've got people using different types of test boosters, natural to unnatural test boosters in the pill form that you can go to your local GNC and get. we got people that are using um, oh, peptides and yada, 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 right? You guys get the point. There are so many different. And so what people do is they might be doing something like EPO. This is another one. I've heard rumors of people, top guys in this sport that use EPO. And they'll say that they're natural. No, no, I don't use steroids. I don't use the stuff that makes me super strong, super jacked. Look at me. I'm not super strong and super jacked. I compete at 155. I compete at 170. I compete at 135. But EPO is a huge PED. That's what TJ Dillashaw got busted for. That got him suspended for two plus years in the UFC. EPO was one of the big drugs that Lance Armstrong tested positive for. All those Tour de France guys. It's a huge boost to your cardio. But those guys put EPO in a different category in their mind. And so in their mind, they're like, nah, man, I'm not using steroids. I'm not getting jacked. I'm not super strong. I'm just getting a boost to my cardio. That's a little different. That's not a PED. Or guys will go, oh, man, I've got low testosterone, so I'm using test. I'm using testosterone. Even if it's just testosterone therapy replacement, they're like, no, I'm not using a PED. Like, I'm not using performance enhancing. It's like, you are, you know. To me, the, we got to be very black and white about performance enhancing drugs, you know. And like I said, I wish athletes would just be more open about it. I wish Felipe Pena just would have been like, yeah, guys, like, I use steroids. I don't want to hear about how your doctor gives you something and that's why you tested positive because you didn't know what it was. Or you took a tainted supplement. I believe John Jones, that was John Jones' uh, thing, was when he tested for, um, for PEDs, he was like, oh, it was a tainted supplement or a tainted piece of meat. Like Tons of guys have claimed that like their meat was tainted. And who knows, right? Who actually knows what the true story is? But I'm a um, big believer in kind of what Louis Simmons says, right? Louis Simmons, famous 
powerlifting coach. He was on Joe Rogan. I believe he's like the only guy Joe Rogan left his studio to go and interview. He went all the way to Westside Barbell in Pennsylvania before Louis Simmons died, and he did an hour and a half, two-hour long podcast with Louis Simmons. And Louis Simmons said something that I think about a lot. He said that he thinks athletes that are truly trying to be the top of their sport, that they're stupid if they don't use performance-enhancing drugs because the strain and effort that training and competing puts on your body, like it's just going to break it and tear it down. And you need to be using something to make sure that you stay at your best for as long as possible. Like if you want to have a long and successful career – If you want to maximize your potential, you'd be an idiot not to use PEDs. And I completely agree with him. I really do. But there are consequences to using it. But who's using? I don't know. There's so many guys. I wish I could just give off a huge list of, you know, guys that I'd heard were rumored to be using steroids, right? The only three that I can confirm, you know, are Felipe Pena the meows and uh, kind of Duarte because they did fail the test. But you look at Andre Galvao, you look at Paul Harris, you look at some of these dudes, Gordon Ryan, you just, right. You just have to assume they're using steroids. Now Gordon's an interesting case. Gordon Ryan has the stomach issue that it's been a mystery issue. And The gut, I don't think a lot of people understand this, but like the gut is a huge mystery to doctors. The gut is so complex. There's so many different microbiomes and different living organisms, bacterias that live there. And man, when it gets messed up, when the bacterias in your gut get messed up, it's, um, it can be very, very, very difficult and it can be a very long process to get you back to feeling healthy. And that's what we've seen. Like that's been Gordon's issue. Gordon for years, you know, claims that he's had just extreme nausea. And I've heard two different ways, right? There's two different stories on how this occurred. Gordon claims that his stomach issues came from, um, came from prolonged antibiotic use. He got staffed multiple times at Henzo Gracie in the blue basement when they were up in New York. And his doctor kept putting him on strong antibiotics. It destroyed his gut health and he hasn't been the same. His gut's been destroyed because of prolonged antibiotics. Here's what I know about that. That could 100% be the case. Antibiotics are terrible for you. I mean, they're, they're necessary, right? Antibiotics have helped us, have helped human beings tremendously. But prolonged use can have really bad effects, particularly in the gut, because it kills everything. I mean, that's what they do. The antibiotics go in, they kill all back to kill all the bacteria. And so if you have something like staph or MRSA um, or cellulitis, or, you know, like when I had my two cases of cellulitis when they got into the, um, into the bursa sacs of my elbow and I had to go to the hospital because I mean, I was going to die if I didn't get antibiotics. Um, I had to have them and they flushed my system and I had to take on prolonged antibiotic use. But I did that for like two weeks. Gordon was talking about, he had to do this for months because he got multiple cases over the course of, you know, a year. 
and that jacked his stomach up. Now, the other story is, and this is kind of one of those, like the rumor mills that Gordon was using steroids. He was using um, steroids, and it was a bad batch of steroids, and that caused his stomach to get jacked up. And I don't know a lot. I don't have a lot of experience about this, but a lot of people, you know, I've seen people say, yes, like, that is a consequence of using bad a bad batch of steroids is that it can mess up your gut biome. And that's how Gordon messed up his stomach. We don't know. We don't know. What do you guys think about steroids? Pro, against it. Growing up, um, you know, baseball was, was a big part of my life. I mean, my brother played it all growing up. I played it a little bit, but I always enjoyed watching it. I went to a couple uh, professional games growing up. Um, you know, I like baseball. I'll still watch baseball. And steroids got such a negative rap, you know, with that, and especially like I, I mentioned Lance Armstrong, um, you know, just – and we still see like a lot of the old heads in baseball. They're still not voting in Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, these guys that are all-time greats. I mean, there's a case that Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player of all time, and they're still not voting him in. So steroids, I think, will we'll always have at least in the American culture. If you lived through that 90s, 2000, 2010 um, especially like 2000 to 2010 where you're just seeing Lance Armstrong and Barry Bonds and Mark, those guys just get thrown under the, the, the dirt, you know, just thrown into the dirt and, and people just rubbing dirt all over their name and saying all these crazy things about them. Um, you'll still always have those doubts and, and kind of second guess uh, the legality and if steroids are morally right. <laughs> but look, man, ADCC, I know, I'm almost positive. ADCC, they want you to come jacked. They want you to come juiced to the gills. They want you coming in there saucy. They're not testing you. They want to see the best athlete, the best grappling athletes compete. And that means that uh, a lot of those dudes are juiced to the gills. Last thing I'll say about this topic. Just go watch Andre Galval versus Paul Harris, ADCC. I'm blanking now on what year, 2013, 2011, one of those years, but just type that in on YouTube and you tell me if people use steroids in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Last thing I want to talk about today, BJJ team events. I want to talk about this for a few reasons. One, combat Jiu-Jitsu, man, it has become my favorite sport. This last CJJ, I already talked about it in the previous podcast, but Man, it was insane. And I've been thinking about this announcement that the next CJJ is going to be a team event. They've got a Team 10th Planet. I can't, I'm going to blank on. I know the team has Nathan Orchard, Keith Gregorian, Ben Eddy, and I'm not sure of the other two. I can't remember who the other two are. I think Mike Johns is one out of 10th Planet, Vegas. Or Costa Mesa, one of those, I can't remember, but I think he's out of the uh, Casey Halstead crew. And then there's one more. Can't remember. But then there's three other teams. And, man, I cannot wait for that. I am, that's definitely second to ADCC. But if ADCC wasn't happening this year, Gordon Ryan wasn't going for 
goat status with doing the super fight in his division. He wasn't super fighting Felipe Pena coming up. I mean, if that wasn't happening, this is what I'd be thinking about and what I'd be talking about a bunch over the next few months. That's going to be insane. CJJ consistently is getting better and better. I love, I love, I love when I see high-level sub guys use palm striking um, and, and that they're improving their, their palm striking, they're improving their ground and pound. Damian Anderson's knockout just left me wanting so much more. I want to see guys go in there and I want to see guys um, really use ground and pound to make leg locks ineffective or at least make leg locks um, less a part of the game. I would love to just see more and more guys use devastating ground and pound to make their opponent second guess sitting to their butt and trying to scoop underneath and try and get underneath into a leg you need to use those clinching guards you need to you know whether you're nathan orchard or ben eddie fan like you need to use that strategy of jumping guard clinching and getting into the full guard so you can control posture so you can't get hit but if you just think that you're going to sit to your butt scoot and, and elevate somebody like you need to think again you need to think again and it's different between you know, being on top and then backstepping and into a leg. But if you're, like I said, if you're just going to sit in front of somebody, man, well, from what we saw with Damian Anderson and now, um, especially if we see some of the bigger weight classes, I think we're going to start to see more and more knockouts because it's just people are getting better at ground and pound. People are getting better at it. But this format, quintet style, is the way to do team events. I've seen a couple of other different promotions try and use different rule sets for team events, and honestly, it's just not the way to go. Polaris had an event this past week, and they did Team USA versus Team Brazil. Team USA was coming in after they had beat the UK team, um, and they went against Team Brazil. And honestly, it was basically just Team 10th Planet with, like, Mason Fowler and who else? There was one, a couple others. It was Mason Fowler. It was... Hunter Colvin, and I think maybe one more. Oh, and Nick Ronan. So we had three non-10th planet guys and then five 10th planet guys. So there was eight total, and then there was eight Brazilians. Mika Galvao was definitely the star. When I saw him, um, when I saw the 16 athletes competing in this event, I, I mean, I knew. I was like, man, Mika's definitely the best guy. I think Mika, one of the three best grapplers in the world right now. So I knew Mika would be a handful, but... Anyways, the format for this team event, it's a two-hour, so it's really wonky. You got two hours of total time. You only score a point if there's a submission. The matches are five minutes. Nobody's eliminated. So you so if you could get submitted 18 times. Like if you kept coming up and you kept getting submitted, you would just keep going. So submission, you're not eliminated. Your team puts forward athletes. They fight athletes from the other team. Five-minute match. If there's a submission, your team gets a point. If not, Zero points are awarded. And both of these events, we've looked at almost four hours of grappling. And I believe there's been four submissions in four hours of grappling. That's all I need to say, guys. We are not seeing submissions for whatever reason. The matches, 
while there have been a couple of really good ones for the most part of the four hours of, of, of mat time, most of it, I'd say 80% of it have been, um, there's been a lot to be desired. Like the matches haven't been very good. I really like the, the format of elimination. I like when there's consequences. I like when, hey, even if there's not a submission, both you guys are eliminated. And I don't know. I, I just think the format's super wonky. We've also seen fight to win. We've seen, um, it's not fight to win. I know that it's, uh, it's kind of affiliated with it, but they just did, uh, and they've done it a few times. I can't remember what it's called now, but um, we saw it a couple of weeks ago as well where we had different teams. So the 10th Planet team, it was under 185 and over 185. So it was supposed to be Ryan Aiken was going to be 185 and under. Kyle Bame was going to be over 185, but he dropped out. And one of, I can't remember, what's that guy's name? I think it's Alex Granby. Might be saying his name wrong, but he um, he's one of 10th Planet Freak guys. He has done very well at the ADCC trials. He was the heavyweight. And then we saw Elvira as the female. So you have three people. And fight to win rules, six-minute matches. If there is a uh, no submission, then it goes to referee decision. If there's a submission, obviously your team wins. And they do best out of three. So let's say Elvira went against a girl from Checkmat. She beats her. Well, 10th Planet's up one. Then uh, Ryan Aiken goes up against a guy from Checkmat. They have a close match. He ends up losing a decision. So now it's 1-1. And then Alex goes in. He wins um, by submission. Well, it's 2-1. Tenth Planet moves on. And I like the idea of this because I like adding the female element because you can't have females in a quintet style unless it's just female quintet. I like the idea of mixed teams. But I hate the fight to win rule set. And I hate short matches that go to judges' decision. I'm actually um, more in favor of like longer matches. Like uh, to me, if there's going to be judges' decision, they need to be longer matches, at least eight minutes. So the judges need to see a lot of grappling for them to make a good decision and to make for them to make a um, you know, a, a decision that, um, you know, the, the right decision, I think they need to see as much grappling as possible. And a five, even six minute match just isn't long enough. A lot of times, especially at the highest level, you see guys, they, they, they're trying to win in the last minute. It's easy to stall for two or three minutes, kind of skirt the edge of the mats and then try and do a passing barrage to look like you're being active or to get a takedown at the end and steal a match. And a lot of those matches were really underwhelming. I look at the rule set. If the majority of the matches, so for instance, you know, we had a lot of really interesting competitors at this Polaris event for Team Brazil and Team USA. There should have been a lot of fire matchups, but that's just not what we saw. We saw a lot of athletes playing safe. Um, and we didn't see a lot of, we just didn't see a lot of really good scrambles and a lot of really good action. Obviously, in two hours, there's some highlights. There's some really, really good scrambles in there. But for the most part, there's, there was a lot 
to be desired. Again, there was a lot um, that just didn't happen. Same thing over at this other event. You know, we're looking at the team format, and it just didn't deliver. Quintet delivers, though. Quintet delivers because even if the match is boring, let's say, you know, we got Team 10th Planet and we got Kyle Bame out there. Kyle Bame's an absolute killer. He's ADCC trial heavyweight champion. Um, you know, he, he's one of the few guys that's been man enough to face Gordon Ryan and sub only. Um, dude's just an absolute killer. Big, big fan of Kyle Bame's game. Well, he might be going against a brown belt from another team. We'll just keep using Checkmat because for some reason they're on my mind. He might be going against a, a brown belt undersized from Checkmat. And that guy's just trying to stall. He's just trying to knock Kyle out. And to me, that's exciting to see if he can survive Kyle Bame. And if he does, well, that knocks off Kyle. That's a huge, huge, huge victory for Team Checkmat. Huge, huge, huge victory. I just love the consequences that the Quintet style presents that these other two formats just don't really have. There can be boring matches, and you can win with a boring match. Or Polaris, it's just nothing happens, right? And you're just waiting, I guess, for like a mismatch to happen. You're basically waiting for your top guy like Mika Galvao to come up to try and get a sub. I mean, that's how Brazil won. They, they won on the back of Mika Galvao. But there's a lot of really good Brazilian grapplers, but a lot of them played it safe, and a lot of them, I, we just didn't get to see their best grappler. I feel like Quintet brings out the best of the competitors. CJJ Quintet, I'm telling you guys, I, I think it's going to be a legendary, a legendary uh, card. I think it's going to be a card that is super successful and is super fun to watch. And I'm, uh, I'm hoping we see more and more of this Quintet. I'm really hoping we get to see more of that. I'm really interested. So next week, huge UFC card. We got Adesanya. Um, he's the main event. And then we've got Max Holloway. The third fight, man. The third fight between him and Volkanovsky. Um, I'm really interested in the Strickland fight versus Perea. And um, the next day, I'm actually just as interested in the grappling card. Another team format. We've got four team captains. They're all... UFC fighters or former UFC fighters. Um, I believe we've got Anthony Pettis. We've got uh, James, uh, what's his name? He just called James Krause. Two others. Maybe Uriah Faber and somebody else, but they've picked teams. And the teams are pretty cool. There's some pretty stacked teams. Um, I know, oh yeah, it's Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal's got Enrico Coco on his team, PJ Barch, Craig Jones, and somebody else. I can't remember now, but that's a team. I think James Krause's team is Andy Varilla, Kyle Bame, and then there's two others on that team, but it's going to be a team format. I'm hoping they do quintet, and if so, that's the next big thing to watch out for. So definitely check out that UFC card. But if you don't want to pay the pay-per-view next day, super sick Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu team event. Um, I think that one's going to be a barn burner and definitely one to not miss. Until next time, guys, I love and appreciate you. Peace.